Welcome to the Cheyenne Vineyard Podcast, bringing you a message of hope for your everyday world. If you'd like to contact us, contact us at info at CheyenneVineyard.com. You can also find out more information about the Cheyenne Vineyard Church at CheyenneVineyard.com. Thank you and enjoy today's podcast. So is is anyone else glad that we're not on Depot Plaza this morning? <laughs> uh, we we killed a tradition this morning. It'll probably be hard to ever go back to that one. <laughs> we uh, we've done the Sundays of Frontier Days on the Depot for. And I, I think the last six years. Uh, last year we only did one Sunday, so we cut back. And uh, this year we're enjoying the air conditioning. <laughs> so I'm, I'm thankful for that. Uh, if you were not here last week, um, I, I don't often... Uh, tell you that you really need to listen to the message that you missed, but I'm, I'm telling you that today, that if, if, you, if you didn't uh, get to hear that message last week, uh, there's, there's going to be something there for you. Uh, the Lord was really on that message. And uh, I'll just give you a a very brief uh, teaser to those of you who need to listen to it. Uh, The primary text was out of Mark chapter 4, verses uh, 24 and 25, and I'm reading this out of the Amplified. And he, Jesus, said to them, Be careful what you listen to. The measure of thought and study you give to the truth you hear will be the measure of virtue and knowledge, and I might say revelation, that comes back to you. And more besides will be given to you who hear. For to him who has will more be given, and from him who has nothing, even what he has will be taken away. In, in these days, uh, we've, we've got to be very careful what we're listening to. Because the, the enemy would very much like to get us off track. He, he would like to short-circuit our destiny. He would like to make us ineffective. He, he would like to get us to not believe that our destiny is still possible. He, he would like to get us doubting the things that God has said that he would do. And, you know, one of the things that, that I pointed out last week is God's Faithfulness is greater than our sin. God's faithfulness is greater than our weakness. God's faithfulness is greater than the sins of others. 
He, he is big enough to get around our weakness and accomplish what he has said that he will do. So receive that. And, and this morning, uh, I, I want to share with you a little bit about our blessed hope that Jesus is coming back. And I, I want to encourage us in that. I want to maybe confront some bad teaching, bad believing, bad theology related to uh, the idea of Jesus' return. Now, just out of curiosity, how, how many of you believe that we cannot know the day or the hour of Jesus' return? Okay, that's pretty much everybody, and that's almost a direct quote from one of the verses that we're going to look at today, so, so that's good. Uh, <clears throat> does that take us off the hook of trying to discern sort of where we are in this process of Jesus returning? No. <laughs> it, it does not. And some of these passages in, in the New Testament related to the return of Jesus uh, have been sort of misinterpreted and misunderstood by the people of God. And what, what I want to talk about today is, uh, do, do we have any procrastinators in here? That, any who would admit... <laughs> to being a procrastinator. Being a procrastinator takes advantage of something that God put in our human nature. It is the motivation of urgency. That's something that God put within us. He, he wired our, our DNA so that when we have a sense of urgency, we, we have greater focus, we, we, have, we have the ability to, to push ourselves beyond what we normally would. We, there's, there's something that rises up in us. And what I want to do today is I, I want to challenge us to, to live with a sense of urgency toward the return of Jesus. Now, I, I have to temper that just a little bit because there's something else I want to bring out in the message that I, I think is very important. Uh, Jesus is coming back soon. Uh, I, I believe that, that we very likely are the generation in, in which Jesus will return. 
And, and we, we need to live in that realization that our king is coming soon and, and he is going to reward those of us who are in his kingdom according to what we have done. Now, do, do I believe Jesus could come back tomorrow? Well, he could. Because one of the passages that, that we're going to look at says he, he's going to come in a time when we don't think. And all the translators add, he will come. <laughs> he, he's going to come when we don't think he's going to come. But do I think he's going to come back as, as soon as tomorrow or next week? I don't think so. Because there, there's something that, that has to happen among us, among the people of God on the earth. And, and I don't think that this is an isolated thing that is going to happen someplace. I, I think he's going to be doing this, and I, I think he is doing this all over the world right now. And, and, and that thing that he is doing is he is bringing the church to a place of fullness in representing him on the earth. And and we are not there. The, the church in America is not there. The church in the West is not there. I'm not sure that the church anywhere is, is there in fullness right now. Because... When, when we look at when the church was birthed in Acts chapter 2, there, there, was, there was a foretaste of fullness there. There, there was apostolic authority in that church such that when a certain couple sold a piece of property and decided that they wanted to be looked upon more favorably than what they actually deserved, the apostle said, you're, you're lying, and you're lying to the Holy Spirit, and you're done. And then when the spouse came later and told the same story, the same apostle said, you know, the people who carried out your dead husband, uh, they're here, and now they're going to carry you out. And boom. We're, we're not there. But 
the, the Lord can get us there, and he will get us there in his timing. Now, we're, we're the first generation that possibly could see the completion of, of Jesus' two conditions for, for his return uh, taking place in, in, in our lifetime, and, and it, it will happen in our lifetime, that, that the gospel would be preached to every nation, every tribe. We're, we are so close to that happening uh, it, it probably will be done in the next three to five years. In fact, uh, a couple who are missionaries that, that we support every month in Indonesia, they, they are part of this. Because uh, my, my friend, um, Jeff Miller, is, is going to islands in Indonesia where the gospel has never been preached. And, and he specifically is targeting those islands, and he's sharing the gospel with people who have never heard it before. And that's, that's pretty awesome that, that we get to be a part of that. So I, I have a bunch of scriptures that I wanted to take us through today. We probably won't get through all of them. But I, I, want to, I want to give us a, a biblical basis for a sense of urgency and a, and a renewed sense of our responsibility to understand the time in, in which we live. And, and, and where, where I want to go with that is is a question. Are, are, are we going to, and, and, and I should probably put that in individual terms, are, are you and I going to be part of the solution of, of getting Jesus here more quickly? Or are we going to be part of the problem that has to be overcome so that he can come? Uh, I don't know how to put it any more gently than that. Uh, because if, if, we, if we agree with this idea of, of fullness and, and God wanting to bring fullness to the church where, where it isn't, it, it's, it's going to require that something change. And... And, and that, that thing is, is my heart and your heart, primarily. Because in, in our world, we, we too much become like the, the soil where the, the seed was, was sown and, and the weeds grow up. And, and choke out that seed because we, we have too many cares and concerns for other things. And I, I've, I've called us to, to be a people of the presence 
of God because that's, that's really what it means to be his people. And, and that, that takes time. It, it takes time and, and commitment and it, it, it takes giving up things, giving up stuff that, that may be good stuff, may be good things. But it's, it's like when Jesus was talking to Mary and Martha. Martha was all about doing good things. I, I mean, she was serving Jesus. She was trying to get dinner ready. And, and there's Mary sitting there doing nothing but sitting at Jesus' feet. And, and we know which one Jesus commended for doing the right thing. He, he didn't mind if there wasn't any dinner. There, there were more important things for him. And there's more important things for us. But I think in order for us to grab on to those more important things of seeking the Lord while he may be found, we, we need a little bit of that sense of urgency. And I, I, <laughs> I feel like this is what the Lord is saying right now is for all you procrastinators, <laughs> you've waited long enough. Now it's time. So <clears throat> let's start out with Titus chapter 2, where Paul uses the terminology blessed hope. And if I, if I gave this message a, a title, I would say keeping our eye on the prize. And, you know, I, I've got to tell you this that, that plays in into this, this whole message. As, as I have studied Jesus' return and eschatology and things related to the end for since I was about nine, so that, that's a long time for some of you. <laughs> uh, It, I, I can't see anything in the Bible that disputes what I'm about to say to you. And, and it's this, that, that our position in, in the eternal kingdom is entirely related to what we do in this life. I, I don't see any even inkling of, of anything in the New Testament or the Old Testament that would hint at the, the idea that once we're in the eternal kingdom, we, we can work our way up to a greater place. I, I don't see that anywhere. So... 
where we are, our, our place in, in the eternal kingdom is, is going to entirely rest on what we do here. Our, our level of faithfulness to what the Lord asks us to do now. When, when we have all of these other choices, and that's the way he set it up. And, and, and he, the Holy Spirit, is, is so subtle with us and 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 there is there's a reason for that it's it's the glory of god to hide a matter and it's the glory of a king to search it out that that's that's exactly what mark 4:24 is talking about and it's 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 about Seeking the Lord while he may be found. So, I I will get to the scriptures. Titus chapter 2, starting in verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires, and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself a people for his own possession." zealous for good deeds. These things speak and exhort and reprove with all authority. Let no one disregard you. You know how sometimes you you can take a verse out of context and, and make it say something that it's not really saying? Verse 11 is, is a good example of that. The grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. Are all men saved? No. Paul is saying salvation is available to all men because Jesus paid the price for all men's sin. Jesus had something else to say about the matter of salvation that in order to enter the kingdom of heaven a person must be born again born of the spirit it's only those who are born of the spirit who are going to enter this eternal kingdom because they have already become citizens of it all men have not done that but Paul also is is hinting at the idea of fullness here. 
In verse 14, Jesus, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself a people for his own possession. That's, that's what's going to happen when, when the church reaches fullness. Is... He, he will have removed so much of you and I and our human nature that he is what remains. That's possession. So that, so that we actually have, have died. And he now lives. Now this sounds like a theological fact that, that most of us nod our head and, and we agree to. Yes, we, we died with Christ on the cross and we were raised to life with him. We, we've not completely gotten there yet, is, is the idea. Most of us are, are struggling with the idea of being possessed by the Holy Spirit. We, we seek his subtle influence, and, and we rather like that, But for him to fully bring the government of, of the kingdom of heaven forth in our lives so that, like we sang in, in that song, if, if he wants to go to the left, we go to the left. And if he wants to go to the right, we, we go to the right. And if, if he's not saying anything, then we just stand still. That, that's very different than our, our current level of experience. But I, I believe this is what Paul is, is hinting at. Now, another passage. What I, there's, there's so much stuff about Jesus' return in, in the New Testament. I'm... I'm picking out just some really key passages because to try to give you the whole picture in, in a day is really way too ambitious. Um, <clears throat> so I'm, I'm, I'm trying to pick out a few key passages and, I, and I'm trying to confront this idea that, you know, we, we can't really know when Jesus is coming back, so why bother studying it? And, you know, I've, I've been on both sides of that idea at different times of my life. When, when I came to the Lord in uh, the late 60s, uh, and then the Jesus People movement came in, in the early 70s, uh, everybody was, the, the late great planet Earth had come out, and man, everybody was studying the end times. And 
Man, I, I focused on that for a few years. And, and I'm a kid of, of nine years old, and I'm hearing teaching, and I'm saying, that's not right. That's not what I read in the Bible. And it was about the pre-trib rapture idea. And, and I haven't changed my view. Uh, probably gotten a little stronger in it. All you have to do, really, is read Matthew 24, which we're going to look at today, and, and it leads you to highly question that idea. Anyways, it, the idea that I brought forth of our reward in the life to come, the age to come, depending on what we do in this age, is based on a few passages. One of them that's most clear is Revelation 22, 12, where Jesus is speaking, and he says, Behold, I am coming soon, and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. As, as followers of Jesus, we, we will not go through a judgment per se for our sin because our sin, once we've been born again, has been dealt with. But our reward is going to depend on what we did in this life. And that's what Jesus is saying. So, what will Jesus' return look like? Let's go to Matthew 24 and look at a few things. Uh, this time we'll start in verse 27. For as lightning that comes from the east is visible even in the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. I, I don't know why verse 28 is in there, but one of these days I'll get some understanding. Wherever there is a carcass, there the vultures will gather. Immediately after the distress of those days, and Jesus talks about great difficulty coming. Immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from the sky, and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and all the nations of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory, and he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of the heavens to the other. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see all these things, you know that it is near right at the door. So that's what it's going to look like. There's a little more in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 that I want us to look at. For this we say, uh, starting in verse 15 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, 
that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall not precede those who have fallen asleep or those who have passed away. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. So when the Lord comes, he's, he's going to take us, along with those who have died in the faith. Now, the idea that we will not know the day or the hour we go back to Matthew 24 and we pick up where we left off in verse 34. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. And, and that word generation, uh, it, it has some, some different possible translations. We we know that it obviously did not refer specifically to the apostles, Jesus' disciples who, who he was speaking to, because they all passed away, many of them gruesomely. Uh, another translation is this age will not pass away. But my words will not pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But of the day and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father alone. For the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. For as in those days, which were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, they were marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not understand until the flood came and took them all away. So shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Then there shall be two men in the field, one will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and the other will be left. Therefore be on the alert for you do not know which day your Lord is coming. But be sure of this, that if the head of the house had known at what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have been on the alert and would not have allowed his house to be broken into. For this reason, you be ready too. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not think he will. So, a lot can be said about the days preceding the Lord's return being like the days of Noah. Uh, we know from Scripture that Noah preached to the people. And I think we can conclude that that means he warned them about what was to come. But... We, we know they, they did not turn. 
And the flood came, and only Noah and his family was saved in the, in the ark. So what happened is the people in the days of Noah were, were too consumed with what was going on in their lives, what they were pursuing, what they were interested in. And, and they had no interest in hearing Noah. It, it may be like that for us as we try to warn people of the coming of the Lord. But I, I have faith that there is going to be a harvest near the end of the age. Now, the other passage that discourages people from studying the end times because we can't know the day is from Acts chapter 1. And we'll, we'll look at verses 6 and 7. And this is just before Jesus' ascension, his final ascension. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or, the, or dates the Father has set by his own authority. So from those two passages... We, we can conclude that we, we will not be able to pinpoint and say, this is the day that Jesus is, is returning. Or this is the hour in which Jesus will return. And, you know, that's, that's probably God's mercy because... A lot of people would then say, okay, well, I'm going to set my alarm, and a half hour before, I'm going to repent, and <laughs> I, will, I will make it in by the skin of my teeth, and until then, I'm, I'm going to have fun. And what, what a wrong concept of fun that would be. But you, I mean, you, you know human nature, you know that would happen. Uh, even with believers, that, that would happen. I, I, I mean, God help us. So, <clears throat> we have this tension in, in the New Testament related to Jesus' return that Jesus says we, we won't know the day or the hour. And, and he, he specifically said to the disciples, it, it is not for you to know the time or the seasons that the Father has set. He doesn't say it's not for anyone or any generation to know the time or the season. Do you see that distinction? It's, it's rather important. Because we know that Jesus, and I'm not going to get to all these scriptures, you're just going to have to trust me on some of these. We know that Jesus 
He mourned over Jerusalem because they did not recognize the time of their visitation. We, we know that he, he spoke judgment to Chorazin. And I forget the name of the other town. Because they also did not believe when they had seen so many miracles. They, they didn't discern the time that they were in. And, and Jesus said it, it would be better that, that if Sodom had seen what they had seen, Sodom would have turned. And, and that it actually would be better for Sodom on the day of judgment than, than for them. So, if, if you don't think there was any judgment by Jesus in the Gospels, there, there it is. So, there's this implication in, in those passages that that we, the people of God, have a responsibility to, to discern the time that we're in and, and to, to recognize our time of visitation, our, our time of opportunity. And on, on top of that strong implication that we have from Jesus himself. We, we have the, the testimony of Scripture that every major biblical event, particularly of judgment, was clearly announced to the generation in which it took place. Sodom. You know, a Abraham tried to, to get that judgment called off, postponed. It, it didn't work. There, there were not, uh, what was the final number of, of righteous people? Uh, I, I forget. <laughs> but there weren't enough to postpone that judgment. Uh, Noah and, and the flood. Uh, as we, we know uh, that Noah preached. That's, that's what the word says. He preached to his generation. And, and, and we also know that the Lord warned Noah a hundred years in advance and it took him about that long to build that huge ark. And so he had decades of, of opportunity to have conversation and preach to the people what was about to happen. Uh, we know when, when Israel went into captivity, they were warned for a couple generations. When, when Judah finally went to captivity, they were warned for a couple generations. 
when, when Jesus came the first time, there, there were a few people, very few, <laughs> but there were a couple who were tuned in enough to God that, that when they saw Jesus, Simeon and Anna, or who I'm talking about, uh, they recognized this little baby was was the one they'd been waiting for their whole lives, and and God had said you were you were going to see this, the salvation of Israel. So I I think, based based on that witness of Scripture that. We're, we're going to have the opportunity to know that it's close. I, I don't think we will know the day or the hour. But we're going to be able to discern the time that we're in. And, and the Lord is going to warn the generation that I'm coming soon. I'm telling you, that warning has, has been going out my whole life. I, I can't tell you the number of times that, that people have told me in my lifetime that God specifically spoke to them, sometimes with an audible voice, I am coming soon. So, with, with all of that, uh, <clears throat> I, I'm not going to go into the, the passages of... Uh, the, the prophecies of, of what it's going to be like uh, specifically before Jesus returns. But Jesus, uh, or Paul rather, warned of a great falling away that was going to take place prior to his return, just prior to his return. And and if, if you, if you want to look at Matthew 24, which is, is probably, it's, it's the best, most complete discussion by Jesus himself about his second coming. He, he starts out the chapter by saying, be careful that no one deceives you. And then later on in the chapter, he says, be watchful. See when these things are taking place. And I'll, I'll tell you, thing, things are taking place. I, I don't think we have that much longer. So if, if you've been a procrastinator and, and you've, you've been waiting for a heightened sense of urgency 
to, to really seek the Lord while he may be found and, and to, to seek the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Now's the time. Now is the time. Uh, destiny can yet be fulfilled. But how much longer will we be able to say that? I don't know. And neither do you. So I, I remember uh, in Matthew 25, right after Matthew 24, is the parable of, of the ten virgins. And, and that, that is a, a sobering message. It is. Because five of those virgins... They, they had no oil in their lamps. And while they went out, after the call, the bridegroom is coming, went out, they had to leave and try to go get oil in their lamps, and, and they got locked out of the wedding party. There are a lot of different ways you can interpret that. That's a parable that can give you a sense of urgency. No one can fill your lamp with oil but you is one of the clear meanings of that parable. What is the oil? What is the lamp? I believe our heart is, is the lamp. And I believe the oil is the presence of God. We, we can only fill our heart with that oil by being like Mary and, and getting ourselves in the presence of God, ourselves. I can't do it for you. Nobody else can do it for you. You can't do it for me. But to, to be the people of God... Is, is to be the people of his presence. We, we understand that way back from the book of Exodus. And, you know, I've, I've taught you about interpreting the Old Testament and what happened with the nation of Israel as prophetic types of what God wants to do 
in, in the church. And the Lord, he, he brought forth this nation of Israel. And, and we know that things went horribly wrong with Israel. Uh, during, during the time of the judges, I mean, things, things were bad. The, the priesthood had gotten to the, the place of not, not even knowing the voice of God. And, and God had to raise up a Samuel so that he could raise up a David who would then raise up a Solomon so that that nation could come into fullness and, and display to the earth what, what a country looked like when, when, it, when God's blessing was just pouring out on it. And, and read, read that story of the Queen of Sheba when, when she comes. But even right after that, we know that things went horribly wrong again. Uh, I, I think that's Second Samuel 10 and 11, if I remember right. What happened with Samuel, David, and Solomon wasn't just a nice story. The, the Lord is, is going to bring the church to, to a place of fullness to, to show the people of the earth what it can look like when, when God is inhabiting a people. And, and I don't have a grid for that. We, none of us have a grid for, for what that's going to look like. It's not going to look like this. We're, we're not fully inhabited, possessed, to use Paul's word, by the Holy Spirit. But, but that's where the Lord needs to take this thing so that Jesus can come back. So, you know, um, in Acts chapter 2, we, we saw the early rain. It was, it was the church in an early form of fullness, but it was just a few people in one place. Joel talks about the early rain and the last... Wow, I'm, I'm not really sure 
what it is. There's, there's something different about those people. And that, that is not happening yet in our generation. It's, it's not. <laughs> this is a subliminal light show that <laughs> you're, you're not really seeing, what, but there's words on there and you're subconsciously... <laughs> Maybe we could just shut those off for now. I don't know. <laughs> but the see that that was that was the expression that was the early expression of of what fullness would look like. But when when it happens before Jesus returns, it's it's going to be all over the earth. And the people outside of the church are, they're, they're going to take notice because the presence of God is, is, is going to be among us in a way that we don't really have a grid for right now. And, and the government of God is, is going to be established among us individually so, and corporately. But, I, I mean, th- this is something, this is a piece that I, I think we can grasp. And, and that's the idea of, of the government of God being established within me and within you. It means that we recognize that we're not our own anymore and that that someone else, the, the king, the king of kings, has, has a right to tell us what to do and what not to do. Where to go and where not to go. And... And that, that is, is kind of a first step that each of us can take toward fullness and, and, and toward being part of the answer of the last generation rather than being part of the problem that has to be overcome somehow. Is this resonating with anybody? I hope. Because it's, it, it's hard to talk about something that you don't have a grid for. And, I mean, you, you read the book of Revelation, that's what John was doing. He, he's, <laughs> he's trying to write down the stuff that he saw when he had no grid and no, not even language for it. But let me give you a few things to to take with you, okay? We 
While we may not know the day or the hour of Jesus' return, we have a responsibility to discern the time that we're in. And, and specifically, we, we have a responsibility to discern times of God's visitation, times of God's invitation to us. And I, I, I really think that, that one of the reasons that, that the Lord put this on my heart is a prayer that I prayed out of, out of deep regret years ago. And, and, and regret can be a powerful motivator. Let me rephrase that. Avoidance of regret can be a powerful motivator. Regret itself can be a powerful motivator, but it, it's too late at that point. And I, I met Joy in a Baptist church, and I, I tried to take her to a Pentecostal church a few years later, and it did not go well. So we, we stayed in Baptist churches for a while, and then uh, through the hand of God, he, he removed us from the Baptist church, and he, he set us on a journey. And in the beginning of, of that journey, we, we discovered the vineyard, and, and we discovered... That, that we had missed out on years of what God was doing. And I cried out to the Lord. in regret and pain and said, Lord, please don't let that happen again. I want to be in the middle of what you're doing. I, I, I want to be on the front of what you're doing. I, I don't, I don't want to hear about it years later. And I, I, didn't, I didn't understand what I was getting myself into with that prayer. Because in, in the Bible, there, there have always been forerunners. And... Their lives have not always been easy. In fact, they practically never have been easy. But there's, there's a reward to being a forerunner. To, to being on the cutting edge of, of what God's doing. So I, I would encourage you if you dare this week to pray a prayer like that. If, 
if you want to be one of those who God speaks to and you pull others along (laughs) by going there first. And I know there's, there's a lot of you in here who are called to be forerunners. So I bless that. Lord, I, I bless every person. And I just ask you to come upon each person right now who you're calling to be a forerunner. And I ask you to come and encourage and strengthen hearts. I ask for a spirit of wisdom and revelation to be upon these people to discern what you're doing, what the time is, what the invitation is. And I ask that you would strengthen them in their will to go for it. whatever that looks like. So, more. More, Holy Spirit. And Lord, I pray for all of us that we would that you would bless us with this urgency and bless us with, with desire to be a people of your presence. To be those who are radically possessed by your Holy Spirit so that, so that God, what, what you want is what we want. That, that your name is more important than our own name. That, God, we we would not be a bride who wants to keep her own name. You deserve not that kind of bride. (laughs) So, Lord, raise us up. And and do what you want to do. We let go of preconceived ideas we we let go of traditions we we let go of doctrines of men and the ways of man and and we seek you and and your ways and and god re restore the fear of the lord to us Restore the fear of the Lord to us. Let let it burn 
in us. Not what I want, Lord, but what you want. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm. Glad I got that off my chest. (laughs) But it's on yours now. Hmm. I was responsible. Now, now you're responsible. Hmm. This, this is an exciting time that we live in. God can move so quickly when when we're aligned with Him. You know, I I talked about this last week with David at Ziklag. It was the worst day of his life. He was almost killed by his own men. But at at the very same time, God is bringing forth his destiny a few miles away. And he doesn't even know it yet. But his own faithfulness in, in that time of greatest difficulty was qualifying him. Though he was coming out of a, a season of disobedience, his, his own faithfulness and his belief in the faithfulness of God qualified him to take that promotion. So, let me just re- repeat something from last week. So, if, if it looks like it's getting late for God to act and to move to fulfill what he's said, hang on. So it's, it's probably not going to happen yet. If, if it looks too late... Then hang on, because it's probably happening, or it's just about to. Because that's what happened with David. So be, be blessed and strengthened.